Brian McClanahan Show, episode 326. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube page at Brian McClanahan. You can watch this podcast there. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Where they're giving me an email address, I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class. And, of course, you get on my email list when you got the book. And then you get on that email list when you enroll and you get the best deals on forthcoming courses, which I have another one coming up by the end of this month of July. You will see another course available for purchase. It's going to be an awesome one. I've got my latest, The Founding Fathers Out, which is a great course as well. I've got 12 courses there that you're going to want. They help fund the show, and of course, you get something awesome out of it as well, a great course. You can also go to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. You get your book plate there, my autograph on any one of my books. And of course, I've got my newest book out, Southern Scribblings, which is an awesome book. You're going to want to get that one as well because it is definitely non-PC. You can support the show by going to LearnTrueHistory.com, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. You can sign up there. I teach there along with Tom and a whole bunch of other great faculty members. Great way to support the show. And, of course, if you like what I do and you like the show, share it around on social media. Rate it wherever you get your podcasts. Let people know you listen to The Brian McClanahan Show, and that will help increase listeners and help get the word out. You can also get your Brian McClanahan Show apparel, which will help advertise the show at brianmcclanahan.com. Click on the Shop tab. You can get your Brian McClanahan Show gear. I've got lots of great stuff, lots of great ways to support the show. Send me your show requests. I do read them. I may not reply, but I do read them, so keep them coming. Now, let's talk about the topic of the day, which is Brian Kemp and the state of Georgia. Now, I don't live in Georgia, but I'm near Georgia, and so what Georgia does uh, in some ways affects where I live because I'm right on the border of it. Now, this is an in- I want to talk about it, not whether this is going to be effective or not or what's happening in the states, but I want to talk about the fundamental relationship with this order with local governments. This is a Think Locally, Act Locally episode, and more importantly, it is something that goes to the heart of one of the issues I talk about. That's sweeping your own back door, right? Sweeping your own back doorstep. How does that work? So if you haven't been paying attention, and I don't know if you've been living under a rock, you know that, of course, we've had an increase in COVID cases. I'm not going to talk about that or the decrease in deaths or anything. I mean, what's going on there? Is it working, not working? Is opening up working, not working? That's really not my focus of this particular podcast. What I am going to focus on, though, is the response now that we've got this second wave. Now, it depends on what you read, what you listen to, what should be done, what shouldn't be done. You get a lot of information. People are getting bombarded with this. And because we have nothing else to do, this is what people sit around and think about all the time. And they worry about it and fret over it. And of course, mental health is suffering for a lot of people. There's a lot of people physically suffering, a lot of people financially suffering because of this. It is a really difficult time in American history. I don't think there's been 
in the last, you know, post-World War II, there hasn't been anything like this. Uh, now, people certainly did suffer during World War II and, of course, the Great Depression. But in, we've never seen anything like this, even when you had pandemics before. And the largest pandemic in American history before this in the 20th century was, of course, the Spanish flu outbreak. And you did see schools shut down. You did see community gatherings curtailed. I mean, people weren't doing as much, but not in the way that we're doing it right now. Uh, there's never been anything like this in the modern age. Now, when you had pandemics in the 19th century, whether it was you know a yellow fever outbreak in the South, they would shut down businesses and and people would stay in and they would try not to to uh, associate with one another. Now, not realizing that yellow fever was caused by mosquitoes, but regardless, you know malaria. But gar- regardless, people would try to figure out how to stop these infectious diseases from taking over a community and from wiping out a population. In Columbus, Georgia, if you go down the main area, the original part of the town, the street, it's called Broadway. The streets are really wide, and there's a big median running down the middle. Now, for a time, that was a railroad track, trolley car. But after, they, they built these homes far apart and wide because it was thought one of the medical doctors of the time, a man named Dr. DeGraffin Reed, decided that it was better to build homes far apart because that prevented infectious diseases. So we've known about social distancing for a couple hundred years. We've known that these things work. As you get into close contact, the reason you see the spread of infectious diseases during the wintertime and fall months, everybody's shut in uh, and people are in close contact with each other for long periods of time, which is how you get viral loads that will give you these Infectious diseases, right? I mean, or you get bacterial infections because you put it on your hands, you touch your face. One of the things that I hope stays out of this, of course, is the sanitation efforts that are being taken now by just about everywhere you go to wipe down shopping carts, to wipe down tables, to do things to try to prevent viruses and bacteria from being on surfaces that you go and touch. Now, how long do these things stay on surfaces? How long do they live on surfaces? This is open for debate. But regardless, we're seeing this across the United States. Now, some states like California have now shut down everything again in certain counties. You can't do stuff. I mean, this is happening all over the United States. In my own state, there is now a mandatory mask. It's mandatory. You go into a building, a public building, you got to have a mask on. It's by order of the governor that this is going to happen. And it's for two weeks. So beginning uh, as I'm recording this, on the 16th, if you go into a public building, you have to wear masks. If you don't do it, you're going to break the law. You'll get fined. Who knows? People, that the, uh, the Yankees all around you, not Karens and Kens, but the Yankees, because this is what they are, going to call the police on you and uh, tell, it's in a big tattletale, tell people that you're not wearing a mask. Now, I'm sure the businesses are going to be ones who would enforce this more than anything else. But therein lies one of the issues, and this is why I'm going to talk about Georgia and the relationship between the local community and the state. Now, before Governor Ivey in Alabama issued this decree that everybody's got to wear a mask now in public, unless you're exercising or, you know, riding your car. I've seen people wearing masks riding in their own car. Now, that's very odd to me. You're in your own car. There's nobody else in the car with you. Uh, you're in your car, and yet you're still wearing a mask. What is going on with people? I mean, that's just almost uh, you know, a mental illness to do that, to, to ride around your own car with a mask on. Uh, 
Uh, I wonder if they wear them in their own house. They walk around, make sure that they got their mask on in their house. I don't know. But regardless, uh, you know, we have this situation, people doing that. Uh, and so what Kay Ivey has done in Alabama is shut down the local response to this issue. Now, in the town where I live, there was some discussion about having a local ordinance that would have mandated masks. There had been some work by some groups behind the scenes to prevent that from happening. They wanted to uh, have a private solution. So if you look at, for example, Walmart, the Walmart Corporation, which also owns Sam's Club. You want to go into a Walmart or a Sam's Club now? You got to wear a mask. Now, Sam's Club is going to provide the masks for you. Walmart's not doing that. The sad thing about this, you know, if you buy the disposable masks, these things are expensive. And of course, the environmental impact of this, I mean, this is something that... And all the, all the progressives are running around talking about wearing gloves and masks. And now there's articles about the environmental impact of this thing and all the gloves and masks that are getting shoved in the trash and all these things ending up in your water system. because pe- Or they just throw them on the ground, they run out in the sewers, and now they're going the rivers and the estuaries and the waterways and all this stuff. I mean, we're going to have all this disposable uh, PPE trash running around out there. So the environmentalists are going to go nuts about that. Uh, though we do know, that, but save the day, Burger King will have fewer cow farts because they've got uh, different kinds of beef. But so we, we we're gonna offset that. That's our that's our uh, progressive offset. We came up with this to make things better uh, by uh, by not having you know because cows fart less. Uh, the uh, the PPE problem in the rivers uh, won't be a big issue uh, because we've got fewer cow farts. But beyond that, uh, we, we oh, and otherwise other also air conditioning um, can't have that either. Air conditioning also circulates the virus. So I guess in these buildings with virtually no windows, we're just supposed to go in there and cook in the summer. This is these rules are obviously written by people who don't live in the South, because if they did, uh, they wouldn't issue any of these rules about air conditionings or the observations about air conditioning. You know, the, the fact is, if you don't have air conditioning in the South, there's no business. Uh, but, I, 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 but again, air conditioning is not just environmentally bad. It's, uh, it's racist, as we've seen with some articles written about that, too, uh, because in certain areas of the world, they don't have air conditioning like India. And so because of that, Europeans have it, or at least Americans have it. So therefore, it's cultural suprem- American cultural supremacist. So we can't have that either. Right. I mean, this this is where we get into all the lunacy, the lunatics running around out there. Air conditioning is great. Now, I know people who think it's it's making us all soft and weak. But regardless, if you live in the South and you don't have air conditioning, uh, you're in trouble. Right. I mean, it is 100 plus degrees all the time Uh, with the heat index. It is awful. And if you don't have it, you're miserable. So. Uh, th- this again, this is the effort here that's being made to try to, to harm, ultimately harm Western civilization. That's the that's the goal. Uh, so maybe if we turn off air conditioning and we don't have as many cow farts, then I mean maybe that would be the ultimate expression of you know our our uh, our uh, uh, self righteousness and not worrying about the PPEs ending up in uh, in in our rivers and in our uh, in our water system. Uh, so. I digress because uh, this is this is a major issue. We've got private entities like Walmart saying you got to wear the masks. Now, these things are expensive, so Sam's Club's going to give you some, but Walmart wants you to wear them. That sets up an interesting debate about what Georgia did. 
You see, so Alabama has said that you've got to wear the mask. Local governments have no control over this. this the state now has decreed it. However, in Georgia, the exact opposite is happening. The, the governor has come out and said that you should wear a mask if you're not eating, drinking, or exercising. You should wear a mask in public. But it's not mandatory that you wear a mask in public. And not only that, there is a caveat to that from the governor himself. And I want to read that. It says, quote, that pursuant to Code Section 38328, other than orders issued pursuant to the authority of Code Section 38360, any state, county, or municipal law, order, ordinance, rule, or regulation that requires persons to wear face coverings, masks, face shields, or any other personal protective equipment while in places of public accommodation or on public property are suspended to the extent that they are more restrictive than this executive order. So if a state, a, a, a city, let's say you know, Columbus, Georgia, I mentioned that, says you gotta wear you got to wear masks in Columbus, Georgia, Kemp is saying that's illegal. The city of Columbus or the city of Atlanta or the city of Augusta or take your pick city in Georgia cannot do that. They cannot issue laws or decrees or mandates that are more restrictive than what the governor has suggested. And the governor has suggested that people simply just wear masks. They should wear masks, but he's not requiring that you wear a mask. Now, that is an interesting situation in Georgia. So two states side by side, one saying you got to wear the mask, the other one saying you should wear the mask, but the cities and the counties can't require you to wear a mask. It doesn't say anything about private entities. You see, so what Kemp has done here is rather, rather interesting. He's decided that the private sector can demand that you can wear a mask. And there's nothing illegal about that. The private sector, any business can say, you know what, in order to come into my business, you have to wear a mask. Now, that's also interesting because does that fly in the face of discrimination laws? I mean, does, you know, saying you have to wear a shirt, shoes to get service, shirt and shoes to get service, is that discriminatory? Is saying wearing a mask, is that discriminatory? Maybe somebody has respiratory problems and they cannot wear a mask. So <clears throat> is that discriminatory on those individuals because it's hard for them to breathe with a mask on? And people have these problems. Wearing a mask is actually unhealthy. It's, it's why people don't walk around masked up all the time, because it's unhealthy. You're, you're recirculating that carbon dioxide. And plus, we know that masks, as several medical studies have shown, don't necessarily prevent infection from viruses. Your bandana is not going to help much, but it makes people feel better. Now, the question is, can Kemp do this and can Ivy do this? Well, the answer to both is yes, at least in how we understand federalism. Kemp can say, City X, you cannot pass a law that's more restrictive than my law because the cities are mere corporate entities of the state. Just as K. Ivey can say, uh, City X, you can't pass a law that's, more, uh, that's less restrictive than my law because you are a corporate entity of the state. Now, what would happen if they did? This is where we get into real federalism and thinking locally and acting locally. We've got the state of Alabama and the state of Georgia. State, I'll just use the state of Alabama because it's a nice uh, apples and apples comparison. The state of Alabama has about four, a little over four million people in it. 
which is the exact same size as the United States in 1790. Representative ratio in Alabama is about 30,000 to 1 for the state government. Of course, much smaller in your local government. So the question is, as a think locally, act locally position, where do you have the most power? Should we allow states and localities, uh, or should we allow localities in states to make laws that are more stringent or less stringent? Should the governor uh, leave this alone? Should the governor say, we, we think you should wear masks, but the state, uh, the, the, the counties and cities can go further if they choose? Or should the governor come out like Kemp and say, this is what I'm saying, you, I suggest you wear a mask, you can't do any more. You see, this really comes down to personal responsibility. And I remember right after this, this outbreak began talking to a very important individual in the libertarian movement. And I'm not going to say who it is. But this individual said to me, you know, the, the, the pandemic is going to test libertarian thought. It's going to test it. Because people, when they get scared, are naturally going to try to move towards a less freedom-based society. And I think that's, in some cases, the point. The state and the central authority are flexing their muscles right now in all kinds of ways. Now, again, we can debate the merits of masks. Should you wear them? Should you not wear them? Vaccines, herd immunity, all of these things. These are medical debates. I'm not a doctor. So for me to talk about this or that, I can only report on what I've read and what I've seen. Uh, some doctors would say that these masks aren't effective. Others would say, well, it is effective if everybody wears one. I mean, so particularly if you're ill and you have the mask on and you cough or sneeze, yes, you're going to block some of that particulate matter from getting out of your face, which could get into somebody else's face and cause them to be ill. So the, the question is then, that's personal responsibility. If you're ill, you need to stay home. And... Uh, that part of it, that personal responsibility part, would be essential for keeping people healthy in a modern society. That is your responsibility to do to protect others, to stay home when you're sick. Just as businesses, if they choose to do so, can say, you know what, uh, if you don't have a mask, I, I, can't, I can't serve you. It's a private entity. Now, is it a public-private entity? I mean, this gets into the 14th Amendment, the way it's been interpreted over time. Is this a civil rights issue? Do I have a right not to be ordered to wear a mask, or is it that fundamental concept of liberty that I've talked about all week long, this Yankee concept of liberty, where the liberty of the community is more important than individual liberty? Their liberty be free from illness. This is a Yankee const construct concept. Those that run around saying there's just a white culture don't understand the basis of culture in the United States and how there are different cultures even among people who arrived here from Europe. So that construct of or that, that cultural push to enforce the freedom from idea, the freedom from danger, to prevent people from saying dangerous things or doing dangerous things, because it makes them feel better. I mean, this is a Yankee ideology. And it's all over the place. It's not just in the North. It's not just in New England. It's all over the place. But would it be better to allow these local response, if you want to be more restrictive, you can be. If the people of the area want that, 
then should they not be allowed to do it? Now, the question is, would they just do it and just kind of tell Kemp to shove it? I mean, if you had a, a city, let's say it's a small town of, you know, 1,000, 2,000 people, and they said, you know what? We agree in our local government that people should wear masks in our city. We're going to mandate it. The only thing that Kemp could do, or at least the legislature could do, because Kemp can't do it unilaterally, would be to revoke the charter of that town or city and say you're no longer a town or city. I mean, he could do that. He could certainly do that. Just as KIV, if a, if a town or city is not following the mask mandate, uh, she could suggest that the legislature revoke the charter of that particular town or city because towns and cities are mere corporate entities of the state, just as the central authority in the, in the United States is the creation of the states. So the states are the building block of everything. That's why the states have all of this control, all this control over police power. I find this particular issue fascinating. It's fascinating to me because it really is at the heart of a think locally, act locally problem. I suggest you think locally, act locally. What happens if the state says, well, um, sorry, you can't do this. Now, I'm not talking about the United States. I'm talking about the state. Take your pick of your state wherever you live. I know there's a lot of people out there. I know I have international listeners, too. So this doesn't really apply to international, uh, international problem, though it could. I mean, there is a podcast I'm going to do where it talks about how important American imperialism, now cultural imperialism, is all over the world when it comes to some things that shouldn't even be that way. And I'm going to get into that later, but in another episode next week. But the, uh, the fact is, we have now this constitutional crisis brewing in these states. Somebody's going to challenge this, and I would be interested to see how that works out. Somebody will challenge the mask law, say, in Alabama, because I don't think it's going to last just for two weeks. I think that there's going to be an extension of that mask law, that people will be required to wear masks beyond that, for longer than two weeks. Uh, I think that in Georgia, you are going to see cities and towns because of the anti-Kemp ideology so pervasive in certain parts of Georgia. You're going to see cities and towns just do it anyways. But the real question is, can what if Kemp is working on the back end with employers, with businesses, and saying, look, okay, here's what... And if you read all the... Exec, it's like 45 pages of executive orders on this thing. And all the things they require these businesses to do to stay open and, and have people and people go to work and other things. I mean, this is, this is uh, just an amazing time in which we live. And it shows the power that the states have. It really shows them flexing their muscles on this particular issue and, and how important it is for the states to have a primary role in this. Think locally, act locally, though. If you are in a local government or you know, county government, something city government, what would be your response to this in Georgia? Would you pass it anyways? If you're individuals, should you have individual responsibility to try to sweep around your own doorstep? If you're sick, you stay home. Uh, you know, to, to have that kind of responsibility, which is at the heart of everything we should be talking about here. We should be persuading people, you know, it's a good idea to try to do things to keep yourself healthy and then others healthy too. And I think a lot of libertarians pursue that position. 
So federalism now has shown two different sides of the same issue. One, a mandate. One, a mandate not to do something. And one, a mandate to do something. And we're seeing this all over the United States. Of course, the Trump administration is silent on this because they have to be silent on this. They can't, they can't uh, have a ruling one way or another. Not on this particular issue. And my, my response will be legally right now, unless there's a major challenge, unless these mask laws violate the state constitutions of either state, the states can do this. And of course, municipalities and counties being the creation of the state, if they do step out of line, there could be some state action taken against them. The only way to work at those to have a kind of a back in the colonial period, Virginia or Massachusetts, they essentially said, you know what, we don't care. We're still not going to enforce your laws or we're not going to rule in your favor. Uh, that could possibly happen too. I think all of this at the end of the day is going to help speed the process of decentralization in America. I think Americans are, are, are hungry for something like that and how they can control their own lives. All right. Well, that's uh, news of the day and from two different perspectives on a Think Locally, Act Locally episode. I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan.